Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Today we're thrilled to triangulate a few special guests. If you've been listening to the last few episodes and following along on the Instagram page, you might know that we've been lucky enough to be hands-on with some very cool, unique, and uh, spoiler alert, new Formex Essence watches. And if you're anything like us, there's a good chance that you may have only seen Formex on your IG feed or, or on a YouTube review. So as we wanted to learn more about the brand, we reached out and were immediately in touch with the real people behind it who engaged us um, and even made sure we got to put the watches on our wrists. And with uh, Formex in tow, uh, talking with them, you know, talking about the, the brand with our friends and fellow enthusiasts, we were also learning more about the brand itself and the people behind it. So the opportunity to speak with, uh, with Marcus and, uh, and Raphael, who we'll introduce in a moment, we were super excited to make that happen. So with that, let's welcome our guests and, and let them tell us more about themselves. And we want to welcome to the Spirit of Time podcast, Rafael Granito, CEO of Formex Watches, and Marcus, the marketing director. Welcome, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure to Thanks. be with you today. Thanks for coming on, guys. Hey, Greg and Matt. Thanks so much for having us. No, it's 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 super fun to get everybody together. We had to navigate several time zones and 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 sort of put this on everybody's calendar just to give everybody sort of a, a an idea. Rafael, you're in Switzerland. Yes, I'm in Vienna, Switzerland. Marcus, you're in our state, I believe, right? You're in California. I'm up in the Bay Area. That's right. That's right. Very cool. And then Matt and I are holding it down here in in Southern California. Where whereabouts? I would just you don't mind uh, pinpointing it. We're sure. in well, um, San Gabriel Valley, so I think you guys sort of know the area too. Just uh, about 15 miles north east of, of Los Angeles. I'm in Pasadena, and Matt's uh, a little further down the oh, down the okay. 210. Yeah, I used to live even further down. I studied at UCSD for a while there, a couple of ages okay. back, a couple of years back. Yeah, <laughs> a lifetime ago. Yes. Oh, that's a, and, uh, a and great part of And we came back the there state. last year. Remember? Yeah, Rafael and I we made a trip down to Southern California when we were uh, when Rafael was over for wind up in San Francisco, and he came. Uh, I think a week we did that before wind up, right? Yeah, I think yeah, a we week a before or two weeks up. before we 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 rented a pickup truck, uh, put some surfboards on the on the bed, and just drove down all the way to to San Diego, and I, we had a blast. Met up some uh, local watch groups and 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 YouTubers. It was a fantastic trip. So much fun. Always. I see. My favorite part of the California, bar none. I've seen on some of uh, on Rafael's like end of year letters, which I, I made a note to talk about earlier, later. I, I really appreciate those, but sort of your focus, you guys' focus on bringing together customers, clients, watch community. Um, so if that happens again, we got a couple of beer spots we want to take you to and, and make sure we, uh, we link up with you when you're out here. Will be a pleasure. We're actually going to be in California 
uh, end of April for Worn and Wound again. So I don't know if you guys plan on coming up there uh, for the show, but uh, it would be de definitely nice to, to meet up. Yeah, that'd be sweet. We have to. We got keyed off, keyed up on that date, and we should uh, we should talk about that, Matt. And see what we can do. Yeah, that's that's certainly possible. I know I'm traveling a lot the month before, but if I can carve out some time, that would be good. I need to lodge a formal protest though with the Warren and Wound guys because I want wind up down in Southern California like every other year. <laughs> you know, the yeah, Pasadena Convention Center. You know, yeah. it's, I would uh, mind exactly. Taking that. <laughs> I will co-sign. I think we'll we'll have a few signatures on our on our petition. So let's get into it. Let's talk about Formex. I think um, we were so excited, like I mentioned in sort of the introduction, to to learn more about you guys, about the brand, to to experience them. Uh, we'd seen it, you know, all over the place and people we know, and 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 so this has been our opportunity um, to 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 really dig into what you all are doing. But first, about you guys, Rafael Marcus. Can you tell us both, you know, what your role is at Formex? I mean, we know what your titles are, but what does that really mean? Hey, Greg, I'm going to interrupt you for a second, man. This is a watch podcast. We have to do a wrist check. Come on now. You're slipping. <laughs> ah, well, I was just so excited. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's, yeah, we'll, we'll circle back on that question. That's the corporate buzzword bingo word of the day. Um, but we'll, uh, let's ask the guys. Guys, what do you have on wrist? And for us, it's morning. I mean, spoiler alert, I'm drinking tea. But what uh, what watches do you have, Marcus? You go first. I'm having a coffee, uh, and and on the wrist a and maybe I think you guys have that too. The Essence Legera Forty One Space Rock. You have uh, one. I don't even have one of those. I have. <laughs> I I what the heck. I have the photo piece. I have the photo piece that came back to me and. Uh, I wanted to send it out to another reviewer, but I think I just fell in love with it and I just secretly kept it for myself. Oh, I'll send you the so, uh, <laughs> I just love to wear it. I'm sorry. It's so a bitch and watch. It's really cool. So I'm wearing, uh, I'm also wearing an Essence Legera, um, but the forged carbon dial version. Um, so I went, actually, I started the day uh, wearing my GMT. Uh, gold uh, with the gold accents, and then I went climbing at uh, during the lunch lunch break, and uh, so I I changed to something a bit lighter or much lighter, so I put on my my Legera uh, forged carbon, and as for the the poor check, um, I'm assuming you're you're all are drinking coffee since it's morning there. Um, I'm a li little bit further. <laughs> ahead in the day, so I'm sipping on a really nice Japanese whiskey, uh, Yamazaki, uh, 18 years, that I actually got as a gift, a really nice gift, by the way, <laughs> so thank you to the person, you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, that is spirit of time approved, that's a great choice. How about you, Greg, that's what's on the wrist? I have a I have a Essence thirty nine. This is the new really released Gamma Ray. Um, this thing is awesome. We have had a chance to check out a few of the essences recently, and uh, Marcus agree on the Legera uh, Space Rock. That thing is hard to not wear. I can't imagine <laughs> you wanting to let go of that <laughs> and send it uh, send it around. So we we do owe you uh, ours back, so somebody else can enjoy it. And and that has been just. Uh, 
man, a real treat. But this, this, this dial, and Marcus gave us a tip on this, is this was basically just getting released because he knew it was right up our alley. And we'll talk a little bit about how this came to be, but ugh, this is this is really good. Really good, guys. Thank you. What about you, Matt? Yeah, can it, so I'll I'll be the odd man out. I have the uh, this is actually the Zodiac, this is a mouthful, Zodiac Super Sea Wolf GMT World Timer. And oh, this cool. is the one this is the one with the um, like the error bezel. So it's uh it's got a, a misspelled Singapore on there. And it was something I was looking for for a while. And it, it came across my transom a few months ago and just I had to jump on it real fast. But yeah, fun watch. Do you think like, that's an you know, Easter egg or uh, do you think that that was just a slip? You know, it's a good question. Um, I, I I don't know. You know, it does seem like that's something that would be odd to get through QC on not just one, but two iterations of the watch because they misprinted the red dial as well. This one's the black one. And there's there's a few of them out there. But I have heard um, that it was an, in done in error and that that kind of uh, the legend on it is that that sort of was a hiccup in their launch. They you know had to stop and then, you know, restart production with the correction. But who knows? Because it, it it is the kind of thing, right, that sparks interest among the geeks. Yeah, also, you know, who when cares? They... <laughs> really? I mean, <laughs> yeah. is that really going to take away from your joy of wearing a watch you like? We have, no, we not have at actually all. an Easter egg um, on one of our watches as well. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Maybe some people found out, but not many, actually. Well, can you say which, like, what line of watches? Yeah, it's on the it's on the re. <laughs> Okay. It's on a Reef GMT. Well, after we finish up our, our episode, you can you can sense where the rest of my day is going to go. <laughs> it's trying to find <laughs> this now. I've, I've now thrown out all the efficiencies that I had in mind for the rest of the day. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Greg's got his shovel, and now he's going to start digging the rabbit hole. That's it. Just keep going. Keep going. Um, Cool. Well, with that, we'll go back to where I got a little overzealous. We want to learn about, you know, Raphael and Marcus, what you what you guys are doing at Formex. Um, you know, what a, how you would describe, you know, your role and, and sort of what you guys have been up to, you know, um, in, in 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 developing the brand and getting out there. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourselves, Marcus. <laughs> Always, always me. Yeah, you Come take on. it. You take it, man. It's it's rare okay, that I get okay. to enjoy you uh, sharing a podcast with me, so I'll take advantage. <sighs> okay. So my name is Marcus. You, Greg asked me if I, if he should tell me uh, or, or introduce me with my full name. I said, no, nah, don't try it because I have such a Swiss last name and I'm living here out in the States. And the moment someone asked me for my last name, I always directly spell it because it's hard to pronounce here. It's Valkli, but I always say, okay, W-A-L-C-H. Okay, good. Let's do it. Valkli. Oh, uh, Valkli. <laughs> no, <laughs> no attempt. No, they, they are your track. Thank you Anyways. for sparing. Thank you for sparing me. That was, <laughs> it, it sounds so much better coming out of your mouth. Uh, anyways, um, Rafael and I know each other back from, from college. Um, more or less in the first day when we started college, we sat next to each other. Uh, even had a time when we lived together. Uh, Rafael went to San Diego for his year abroad. I went to uh, uh, 
to Asia for my year abroad, came back, uh, hang out. He did his thing with, uh, in his father's company. I did my thing in, in, in actually in food and beverage. I was in a, in a hotel. I was food and beverage manager for a while. And then Raphael, uh, rang me up and said, Hey, look, I, I just took over this, this, this watch company and, and I need a guy I can trust. Uh, and I need someone who's taking over marketing. And I said, well, we've done pretty much every single, uh, case study in college together. We know we can work together. We can, we can spend a lot of time together. Uh, let's, let's, let's give it a guy. Let's give it a go. And it was the question, look, uh, best friends working together. Is that going to mess up our friendship or not? I were pretty open about it and said, look, let's try it. If it works, it works. And it's going to be great. If it doesn't, then we're going to end it. I mean, the work relationship rather sooner than later. And here we go. I think it's six years uh, from that point and it's still working and it's working uh, pretty good, I would say. Yeah. So I, um, I'm going to start with my introduction. So, um, I studied uh, with Marcus, so we did actually international management in, in uh, close to Zurich uh, in Switzerland. And before that, I already did all kinds of different things from, you know, uh, kite surfing instructor to, to, uh, to dance teacher <laughs> to all, all kinds of different things. Um, and while growing up, my dad had this um, company or, or this business supplying um, many different watch brands with components, doing development, design, and manufacturing of, of uh, mainly the the components that are not the, the movement. Uh, so everything that is case, bracelet, clasps. And then later on also took over a company uh, that makes dials in, in the Jura Mountains up here. Um, and so... You know, from from six years, uh, from uh, six years young, I was able to actually walk the halls of, of his. Uh, by then, still very very small business, but uh, growing pretty nicely. And and um, you know, they they let me assemble pieces in my in my spare time or in my my uh, school holidays, uh, assemble pieces or doing some some simple polishing work. And uh, yeah, always kept going back a little bit, and then. Before actually starting college, I went there and worked uh, for a longer time and, and started working in product development. And that's kind of how I, I learned how, you know, learned the ropes in, in the watch business, so to speak. And then at some point, uh, the opportunity arose uh, to, to take over this little dormant watch brand um, that has been around for since 1999 and kind of was looking for a new owner due to you know uh, advanced age of the of the founder and and also it not going so strongly anymore as as it did a couple of years back um so yeah we took on the challenge and and as marcus said you know it was a, a one-man show in the beginning and then i slowly needed help uh with admin stuff and then marcus joined for for marketing and we pretty much learned uh on the go everything and and we're still learning every day i think that's super interesting like you like you said um you know you guys have this history from going to university together this great kind of bond and friendship you know rafael you're growing up sort of in the industry you know and and sort of working on one side of it and then this opportunity presents itself to be sort of on another side of it in some ways how i think some people remember the Let's call it maybe the the old Formex, right? And so, how did it 
if you're able to to give us like a little bit of like behind the the curtains, how did it come? How did that opportunity finally present itself to you? Like, okay, here's like you said, this brand that's been sort of these you know the original founders maybe aging out. How did that sort of how did it actually come to be? So the one of the founders, one of the brothers, um, was actually working with us on other projects. Uh, he was based in Hong Kong, but he was he's a Swiss guy. Uh, still around, he actually founded a new little brand. <laughs> so I guess he, he still has a lot of energy. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we were working with him for yeah pretty tightly on, on other projects. And um, he kept raising the issue for over a couple of years. And then at some point, um, yeah, actually, we kind of swallowed it, <laughs> hook, line and sinker. And uh, yeah, we managed to, you know, work out a really nice deal because he wanted to, the company to live on. And um, even though I had no idea uh, kind of what, what it involved to be on the uh, selling side of, of, of finished watches, um, yeah, I kind of dove in and, and learned everything on the go. I'm, I'm not saying I know everything now, but <laughs> unfortunately not. But um, yeah, it was a very interesting journey because we transformed it from a, you know, from a classic distribution model to um, mostly direct-to-consumer. Although nowadays we have more and more retail partners uh, that are joining the team. And um, so it's more of a mixed bag now in terms of uh, our distribution model. But it's still kind of the, the spirit of the community of, uh, of the direct-to-consumer band, uh, brand still lives on. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, th those get-togethers are, are a strong indicator for that and and whenever we move around the world to to go to watch shows and everything we really take the chance to to try to meet up with as many community members as possible and you know throw nice little parties and get together uh so yeah that's kind of how it came to be so there was a lot of involvement between the, the the founder and us before and and he was just happy to to pass it on to somebody who who really put who is going to put a lot of effort in it so when you guys enter the picture, Raphael, obviously you're, you're sort of thinking about how to quote unquote, maybe relaunch this, right. It's sort of, you're, you're, you're the person, you know, sort of bringing this to a, 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 its next chapter. Um, if I remember correctly, the essence is sort of the, the, the launch point of the new, of the new Formex. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that was, I mean, I started before and I was, you know, we still had quite some stock to, <laughs> to actually uh, sell before that. So we were trying to do that, um, you know, uh, not not that successfully in the beginning, <laughs> I have to say. And then Marcus and I really got together and, and brainstormed all, over how we could give it a fresh, a fresh image and and how to launch really our own thing uh, in terms of. Uh, also, how can we sell more than just one watch per week? That was that was also <laughs> yeah that, that was also that pretty was, important. Yeah, that, that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was very, very helpful thought there. That's a big deal. And uh, so, yeah, you, you know, you, you put, you invest time and money into an online store and everything. We got, we had this lineup of previous watches and then you're just sitting there and waiting for the orders to come in, doing some online marketing, uh, which we also didn't have a clue about. So, um, yeah, we, we really dug into the whole community of micro brands and, and how, you know, trying to use the tools of that time which Kickstarter was one of the big ones. Um, and yeah, we, we wanted to launch the watch. We didn't do a community launch. We really wanted to make it our thing. We wanted to actually uh, 
you know, present a new format and offer our new design, our new philosophy, our new features. And so we, we really put a lot of time into uh, developing and designing the essence, uh, cutting, cutting no corners and <laughs> putting a lot of efforts and prototypes into it. And then we used um, Kickstarter to, to launch it. So I have a was, quick question. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt if I interrupted. No, no. So how would you sort of, as somebody, an outsider looking in, I mean, if you look at the range of watches, there does seem to be kind of an aesthetic, like a through line between the different ranges. You know, there's the reef, the field, the essence. How would you describe that design language? Because it does seem to be, you know, pretty unique. You know, is there something that, you know, unites these in terms of how they're the inspiration behind the designs, or if there's a particular, again, like a, a design school or philosophy that you guys adhere to. You're asking for the secret sauce here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to shoot hey, for the stars. We'll see what you give us, but you got to go, go all the way with hey, your ask. That. Well, how about this, right? The, I, 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 I seem to recall, right. That the word Formex is, isn't it like a, essentially an abbreviation or a, you know, What's the word? Uh, Composed uh, word. Yeah, you know, but like forme extreme, and it does seem like the designs are visually are not particularly like classic. It is not like the perfectly round case with the normal in air quotes shaped lugs. Everything seems like you know a little bit punched up, and I'm wondering if there's something that inspires that. So if when we sat down uh, on in front of an empty drawing board for the essence, um, it was important to us to actually take some elements and, and transport the DNA that was there of the brand, which had a pretty strong design language before we started or be, before we took over, and, and kind of package that in into my kind of development philosophy that I learned working for... Um, mostly higher, mid to higher end brands uh, in, in terms of uh, design and development. So we kind of wanted to, you know, add a little more refinement to the, to the very sporty and, and high octane DNA that the brand was already, you know, established in. And so this is how it came, uh, came about that, you know, each watch has kind of a, a unique design language. And, and, you know, let's, let's be honest, in terms of watches in the last 100 years, it's kind of hard to do something that doesn't look like something else. So we didn't forcefully try to achieve that. But, you know, with the Essence, it has a case suspension system. Um, you know, the, the reason for the four screws you see from the front, uh, even though we kind of packaged the suspension system into the watch more discreetly than before and on, on previous models, some of it had the, the springs on the side exposed and you could really see them which is a very tooly uh extremely sporty look that we kind of wanted to refine a little bit and then from there on it was also important to us when developing a new model like the reef or even the field that you catch some of the design cues from 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 the other models so to and that's then uh, ultimately creates your own design language and and the goal was always um, my goal was always that you know, five years down the line, somebody can look at your wrist and say that's a Formex without necessarily having to read the, the logo. And I've, you know, I've uh, had that feedback over the, the last two years uh, a couple of times. And every time uh, I put a smile, every time it puts a smile on my face. Now when I hear that, so mission accomplished. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's how it comes about. We don't have like 
a, um, a recipe or a list of things that have to be there. You know, some design cues are there on one model and they're not there on another, but it catches on on, on some other ones that will still be reminiscent of our, our own design DNA. So it's, it's a very fluid and, and creative process. It's not very, it's not very left brainy or, or, um, uh, engineering oriented in, in terms of the, the look the watch will get in the end. Although it's a mix, like it always has to be a mix of form and function, obviously. So some of the elements like, like the screws I mentioned on, on the top, um, are, you know, a function of the, of, of the, the function. <laughs> nice. And, um, and they actually have to blend in with the design and, and it's what you build around those uh, functional elements that will determine the design. I have to say, you know, now that we brought up the case suspension system, it was something that I wasn't super familiar with. And I, I really appreciated the website, just the quick animations to give you an idea of what, what it does, because it's kind of hard to envision what it does without having it on your wrist. And then I have uh, uh, kind of building on that, it, it, it could come across as something sort of gimmicky, right? Like, what, what do you mean a case suspension system? What is a watch? I wear a watch all the time. What is, I put... The first time I put it on the wrist, and particularly it was a Legera um, Space Rock at 41, which is typically a little bigger than I wear my own, you know, most of my own watches. I was like 100% sold that the, the ergonomics and the comfort of, of that case, and particularly I just, you know, would start flexing it. The, the, the case suspension system is super cool. I, I really think it's unique. I don't think I've seen it anywhere else, quite frankly, and I think it's something that's a, absolutely a value add uh, to, to the Formex line. Yeah, thanks. It is. It does add to the to the comfort. I mean, originally it was really the the parallel uh, draws between the the world of motorsports and and watchmaking because it really uh, copies the the function of a car suspension or a motorbike suspension, and uh, it was also kind of patented as a shock absorber. But ultimately, what it really does on on your wrist, and that's exactly what you described, is it adds a little bit of give and it makes the watch more comfortable. Yeah, hundred percent can attest. You know, the watch, especially the Ligera, was um, an extremely comfortable on wrist. It felt very light. So, the other piece, and I mean, maybe this is like really, you know, for a lot of people, are going to think this is pedestrian. But I thought the the thing that I was most impressed with was the, the clasp on the deployant, you know, that incredibly light, but not flimsy. Is, is that a carbon fiber or a composite clasp? What's the material that you guys use for that? It's a carbon fiber composite. Uh, so it's something we developed uh, with Dexel, with my dad's company. And it's, it's extremely light and strong. So it's, you know, the brake tests are equal to stainless steel even. Uh, so it's not, it's not super flexible so it will not bend out of shape it will break before it really bends out of shape um but we never have one break actually i think <laughs> on on the wrists anyways i mean if they break during tests that's why we test them but um in we never had a, a customer service case of one break maybe in the, the first iterations and then we changed some things uh yeah in the first iteration of it we had one or two customers who we had to replace it uh, luckily, nothing happened to the watch. Even though, even if the, that watch falls down, it's so light that it most likely doesn't get damaged. <laughs> but uh, in the end, now it's it really is a, a very strong and, and highly functional clasp. Yeah, it seems it, like and it's light that's... and and it's 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 uh, it's really nice on the wrist uh, because also for people who are, for example, uh, allergic, 
So that's a great class. We also see, by the way, now that I talk about it, we see people wearing uh, watches from other brands or straps from other brands, pairing it with our, with our class. That's pretty cool to see too. Yeah, that's, that's enough of a testament right there, right? Like I'm going to put this on other stuff. Um, I, I was sort of very anti-deployant for a long time. And this has sort of made me, you know, reposition myself on, on deployment class. I think it's fantastic. And, and I think you get that class throughout other parts of the lineup, right? It does not have to be attached to just the Legera. Is that correct? Um, the other models have the same class, but the, the front cover is, is made of whatever the material the, the watch is made of, so it matches nicely. We even had the, the Legera, the, the Essence Oro, that was a, a gold version that even had a gold uh, front, a solid gold front cover on, on the clasp. Uh, so it's it's um, really neat design that allows us to mix and match materials. Yeah, it seems like it's a design. Exactly. We're using this... Sorry, oh, sorry. we're using the same... Say... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. This is why we have video. All right. Hey, um, no, I was going to say just it, it's uh, the that aspect of the design seems like it could be um, really well suited to any kind of extreme sport. I mean, you mentioned um, you know kite surfing, surfing in general. It seems like probably extremely corrosion resistant. You know, in in as much as there's very little, if any, kind of you know metal uh, content. Very light thermal properties are very good. And again, as you say, you know, the lightness is actually is a form of protection, right? In terms of, you know, impact and that sort of thing, the less, less mass, the less effect. Yeah. Really cool design feature. Sorry about that, Marcus. Take it away. <laughs> no, I was just going back to what Greg mentioned. Yes, we do use that same clasp on different lines. And as long as the, the, the strap width matches with another line's strap width, we can even use the exact same clasp as we do, for example, with the Essence 43 and the Reef. They have the exact same uh, strap width, so we can we can combine those. And the the advantage of the clasp is also it you can uh, change it without the use of any tools. So you can even have multiple straps for the same watch, but want just one clasp because the clasp is what's going to make the whole strap set up. A little bit more expensive than what maybe you're used to from from other uh, comparable brands, so you don't have to invest in multiple clasps in order to enjoy the watch on different straps. And just one more shout out to you, I think, or some props the the straps that you guys are not only either including with you know when you purchase your watch or making available, you know afterwards. So all your OEM options. Um, they're really, really good. I mean, the, the leathers are soft and pliable, high quality. Um, there's like a synthetic uh, on the on the Space Rock, the Legera Space Rock, that synthetic uh, canvas sort of sailclothy is is like super, super good. The rubbers are nice. Um, anyway, I, I thought the straps, you know, across the line and available sort of as add-ons are, are all really, really fantastic. Thank you. Um... Yeah, actually, the, the thing is, and that's why I'm, I'm glad you touched on the deployment, uh, Greg. Um, we don't even have uh, uh, tang buckles in our, in our lineup. We only have deployments ever. That's, right. and that's also from, you know, from where I come from in the watch business is this was kind of one of our specialties from very early on uh, of my dad's business. So, you know, it's, it's also 
Um, you would also have to get different straps for for a tank buckle versus that kind of that kind of buckle, uh, which adds complexity for the customer. And but ultimately, you know, all of our watches could be uh, like 120 bucks cheaper if we just put a tank buckle on it. <laughs> but we decided against that. I think that's probably the right move. And I think people are probably responding to that, you know, in a way that makes sense to you guys as well. Um, so thinking back to the, so the essence, you guys are on a blank sheet of paper. We're, we're sort of setting the new course for, for Formex. Um, that's well received. Uh, at, is this around the same time that you're also envisioning the new logo, which I think people also seem to have responded well to, or that comes slightly after? That came slightly after because uh, we weren't ready yet in terms of uh, you know being being a brand and also still having some some of the older models, the packaging. So it's a, it's a whole lot of uh, investment and also a whole lot of work to to rebrand. So we waited around a little bit and but yeah, we always got those painful, sometimes borderline hateful comments about the logo <laughs> on YouTube videos and reviews and everything. Um, but yeah, in the end, what we didn't get was a lot of a lot of those when we changed the logo. So ninety nine point nine percent of the feedback was like great. Uh, there were like out of everything that we heard, there were like five to ten people who said I actually like the old one, but I also like the new one. So uh, you know, there we we've heard some horror stories of other brands, uh, friendly brands that had some some issues with changing their logo, the logo placement, and everything, and and. Probably they did it when their community was already too large or something. And, you know, we had a chance of doing it before we actually, uh, before before the sales really exploded. So, um, yeah, that was a, a good call. We were lucky there. We had nothing to do with uh, strategy, really. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of luck. Well, it's a good looking also, logo. I think... Uh... Yeah, you hopefully don't have to flail around with a lot of designs. I think you you nailed a good one. Unlike you know another brand, I think we don't want to mention Christopher Ward. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's okay because um, Matt said it. But you know, exactly. I, I don't think I don't think any of that was purely their fault. It was just like the the opinions were too strong in the community. Um, maybe maybe they should have stuck with with the first iteration of the change, or I don't know. But I definitely don't. Uh, I don't think we can blame that on, on the brand entirely. No, no. Yeah, that's just people like to complain about something. Anyway, yeah. and once again, Marcus, sorry I interrupted you. Yeah, you guys. Uh, think, I think I just you wanted guys to. Have a lot of problems, uh, like <laughs> falling onto each other in that, with the, with the we, word. So, like, we, we can't even right? say it's because it, there's a there's a time lag or anything like this. You could say that, Rafael, because you're all the way in Switzerland, but we're <laughs> practically neighbors, so there shouldn't be a time lag. Uh, but we just want to talk at the same time. Maybe that's the, the thing, or we're thinking about the same thing to say. But what I wanted to add is, uh, Rafael, I think it's a is a really good question, Greg. When you ask, you know, when Rafael took over the brand, uh, was that when he was also thinking about uh, uh, changing the logo? Because you kind of want to make a point, right? New owner, new design, new logo, so people see it. But I think. Uh, it, it, it was it was the right move to wait with that logo change because uh, it took us some time to understand who who we are and who we want to be and where our journey is going to to go. And when we when we had a good understanding of that, 
that's when we felt ready for, okay, let's, let's create a kind of a new branding, but let's do it right. And the rollout seems to be, I think, well-received. I've heard a lot of folks say that was a, a something that I really appreciated. Um, so if we're, I'm kind of almost thinking chronologically here. So we have the essence um, that sort of helps re, you know, relaunch things. I think it gets downsized at that point too, right? So we start to see the 41 um, and then eventually into 39 as well. Uh, the new logo comes in. And then is it the Reef that's probably the next really well-known, well-received model line in the catalog? So, so the first downsized one was the 39, and which was also the model we presented the new logo on uh, for the first time. And uh, then the next one was uh, the Reef, yeah. We were working on the Diver for, for some time, and that was um, launched in the same year as the Essence 39mm. And that brings another kind of cool, I think, pretty unique um you know, technological development sort of, uh, uh, you know, um, use case, right? And, and that brings in the interchangeable um, bezel inserts. That was a year after the original launch of the of the Reef because that actually came about by us seeing so many customers playing around for hours on our website with the configurator. And <laughs> also during the pre-order time, sending us, you know, sometimes wanting to change their order about five times because you couldn't get additional bezels back then. So they couldn't make up their mind which bezel and dial combo was was the best one for them. So that's that's when it sparked an idea uh, to, to actually come up with this interchangeable bezel system. Again, sort of this uh, direct line of communication, maybe not direct line, but this customer-centric, you know, client-centric, open line of dialogue, right? Like we're seeing what the community is wanting. We're seeing what, you know, um, consumers are, are, are wanting for, even if they don't even maybe know, and we're responding to it. Exactly. I, I think <laughs> I was holding up the hand just to make sure that uh, we're not in, interacting again with each other. Um, I think there is a direct line. Absolutely. Uh, and I can see that every day. And that, that's the advantage of, uh, of, of having the team in Switzerland and me over here because we can cover more or less uh, 24 hours of live chat. And I have so many customer suggestions and ideas when I talk with customers directly in the live chat or when they just write something on, on Instagram saying, hey, that's Essence Gamma Ray. Uh, I would, I would love to have it in 43, for example. I've heard that a couple of times in the last past uh, days. And then we have a sheet, uh, a shared sheet uh, with the team in Switzerland where we, we enter every single customer suggestion, every so, sort of wish. Uh, and next time Rafael is sitting down with the development team, uh, you know, what's next? We're taking that. And this is the basis or one of the, one of the basis uh, points to 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 do new developments. So it, I, I would say it is a direct line, and we're pretty stoked about it. Yeah. So what I mentioned before, when we first launched the the essence, um, that it wasn't a community collaborative design. We still don't do that. Uh, so we don't like offer up different renders and saying, hey, which one do you like best, and and then push the design in a community based way. But we do actually um, collect those suggestions and, and see, you know, how many of, of each we're, we're getting. So that's how the first major one was the, the Essence 39 was, was to launch the Essence in a smaller size. Uh, 
Uh, and then now, obviously, every time we launch something, they, it's either too small or too big. <laughs> so, <laughs> so people immediately come on, uh, come on our live chat and say, oh, if you make this in 41, I'll buy you one. And uh, so, yeah, it, obviously, we enjoy that. But sometimes it can be a bit, you know, you launch something new that you poured your heart in and then somebody comes, ah, it's one millimeter too big for me. <laughs> and we actually urge people to not only look to the case diameter, um, because I'm actually, you know, I'm actually wondering if we should even use the, the size and the name in the future, uh, because, you know, diam diameter can be so, it can be so fluid as a, as a measure, because some, some watches have a huge diameter and wear smaller. Some, you know, it's it's all about the lock to lock, the watch height, the, um, you know, how it feels, how um, how big the how how wide the locks are, and all of those factors actually make it wear small or, or smaller or larger. And um, but I think a lot of people are catching on to that, and, and a lot of people are asking what what is the lock to lock, and and really being informed about that uh, and but that's one of those are one of those are the challenges of, of uh, mostly sell, selling online well speaking of which i mean you're one of and kudos for this you're one of the few websites that provides lug to lug measurements you know that's probably you know among people who know better that's the most important metric i think that people need to be aware of and not a lot of people provide that data for the customers i mean you guys do zen does I, you know i don't think too many others do you know, at least not without digging for it. Um, that's something I appreciate because when I when I looked at the specs on the different watches, that's one of the first things I look at aside from like sort of the visual presentation of the watch is what's the lug to lug because I'm, you know, I'm a fairly skinny guy, and you know, for me, that's the 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 make or break thing in terms of what I can and can't wear. That's that's just us trying to save our time by not having to answer <laughs> yet another uh, live chat. <laughs> inquiry about luck to luck no but uh we do that uh obviously because i think we have all those informations and you know uh so we we put them on even though we try to keep the list not you know like kind of concise and but you wouldn't believe the some of the some of the questions we get like some of the questions i, I can't even answer is uh, you know like some people are asking for the torque of the of the mainspring or whatever uh, stuff I, I even have to ask the watchmaker to, to answer. I was like, um, why are you asking this exactly? <laughs> Would be my question. I get uh, dial diameter quite quite sometimes. I think maybe we should add that. Yeah, that I seems to be a, yeah. a favorite. Dial and glass. And then yeah, the, the crystal. Yeah, the glass mm -hmm. also. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting what different people consider when buying a watch in terms of size so it, it underlines uh, what 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 you said Ralph about it's the diameter is just one of the measurements that probably you know make, makes the true measurement of the of the watch and then one one additional point to add is the color what i've seen with uh, with the Leggero being all black it always appears a little bit smaller did did you have the same kind of feeling greg I on it, yes, because I actually had to go back and make sure that I knew it was 41 because I was certain that it was not, you know, because we had the 39 Space Rock and the 41 Legera at the same time. And you're right, visually speaking, and then also on the wear case, you know, uh, you know, in, in terms of use case wearing it, 
I agree with you. So yeah, that's a, that's that 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 seems accurate to me. Yeah, I think that soft color too. I, I don't know how else to describe it, but you know, like something like a polished black surface. You know, think of like a, a, a Rado ceramic or something like that, where it's it's really bright versus something that's really toned down. So you know, a the kind of material that you use really, I think, adds to that that shrinking aspect of the color. I I had the same kind of impression as Greg wearing, you know, the larger of the. Uh, the watches should have looked larger, you know, the, the Ligera, but it, it was not. It, it looked and felt smaller on my wrist. That was actually the one between the two that, that I preferred, despite the fact that I'm a pretty, you know, skinny guy. So it, it, it's a big deal. Yeah. So then I think I'm thinking kind of moving forward into the catalog and sort of the evolution of, of sort of your designs too. We get an affordable but very well-specced field watch. Right, which is sort of maybe the next evolution, and so you know the the field the field watch right is what all hardened titanium case, sandwich and textured dial. Again, the carbon you know deployment um, strap option, and I think you get all of that under a thousand U.S. dollars retail, if the, if that's accurate, right? So what how, what was sort of the genesis of that, and how did you want to deliver that product? So it's what you said. We wanted the watch under a thousand bucks. <laughs> no, that's obviously not true. Um, we we really <laughs> we really like the the fields um, the fields um, type t- typology of watch, and but we wanted to kind of add our own twist as always to it. So we we kind of got inspired by you know by the dirty dozen dial design, for instance, but we wholly didn't apply any of that to the case um, and we also wanted to use numbers it, it needed to be it's a tactical watch basically so it needs to be very highly legible um, but we also um, designed our own font for that um, obviously it had to be a font that works uh, hollowed out uh, or, or you know stamped through uh, for the sandwich construction and um, so yeah we set to design each number uh, number by number and then uh, also it has a little detail of uh, of the dial being slightly curved uh, upwards, so concave, uh, on the outside. And all of that had to be done with, you know, trying trying to really master the, the, manufacturing, pro- um, uh, the, the manufacturing processes in order to keep it at a, you know, at an affordable price because uh, we obviously also wanted to have an entry-level watch for us in terms of budget uh, because all the other ones are super specced out as you, as you may have seen they're you know cost certified and all of that adds and adds and adds uh, to the costs obviously so we wanted to uh, offer an into introduction into the brand um, and and funnily enough uh, customers come back and tell me that yeah that this was their you know this was their gateway drug <laughs> into formex uh, because also they they weren't used to necessarily buy or, or spend thousands of bucks online for a watch brand they never um, you know touched or felt before, and so so this is kind of their entry level ticket to experience the brand, and then they get in touch with us, and we're such nice people that you know they <laughs> get convinced. No, but um, I think it's important to get in touch, and and one first purchase, even if it's just a clasp. Um, is certainly a, a nice way of showing how how we do it uh, at Formex, how we treat the customers, and 
how personalized our customer service also is. It's it's still as personalized as when we were selling one watch a week. <laughs> and luckily, one of those factors has changed uh, during their years. But um, so so it's important for us to also have this entry level watch. And then in terms of case design, we wanted to again uh, kind of um, show or not not show, but kind of emulate the the, the DNA of, of Formex before. So you find the little the little uh, separation on the between the logs. Uh, that actually is something that we took over from the, the earlier pilot watches uh, and kind of stylized it and transformed it. And then we also wanted to have a titanium watch. So we, we transformed or, or we, we designed that one to be um, titanium. And uh, because titanium is a little bit soft, we, we added this hard coating, which also actually lightens up the, the sandblasted titanium and, and makes for a really nice look and unique look. Yeah, that was going to be my question. The titanium then is the, the hardening is a surface coating. It's like an application. Yes, it's a, it's a surface hardening. And, you know, um, I probably shouldn't say that, but, you know, we're, we're always very honest, but um, there are limitations to that. So it's, it's really good for um, preventing the watch to get scratched, hairline scratches and scratched lightly. But if you're going to, you know, smash it against the wall, the, the the surface treatment is on the first on the top three micron of of uh, of, uh, of titanium and the material below that is still going to be relatively soft so we're talking about 145 vickers approximately and the hardening takes that to about 900 vickers but obviously if you know if you're going to stab it uh, with a tantalum blade or something <laughs> you're going to be able to sure <laughs> right, right. I mean, I'm between me and Greg, I'm the materials geek and the titanium and a hardened titanium is pretty cool. I think to me, the value add, the way I, I perceive that is, you know, a lot of people are aware that, you know, especially depending on the finish of the titanium, it's a scratch magnet, you know, minor surface marring. And I bet this would help with that. There's not too many, you know, I know Damasco does a through hardening treatment, you know, but yeah, sir, you know, most of the time... Yeah, most of the time when you're talking about a um, a hardening, it's a surface hardening, and I think that's really valuable because you know if you have titanium watches, you know that they they have this odd property of attracting kind of scratches, and yeah. this is cool. This is they actually, I think, not hairline scratches, especially on on sandblasted uh, surfaces, tend to oxidize out again, so they patinate out again on titanium, which is something that doesn't happen on steel. So you know, it's a it's a kind of a balancing out things should you go for it should you not go for it because it actually does add a lot of complexity to the uh, manufacturing process and if you do happen to like uh you know have a scratch on a finished case or something you can't just be blast that off <laughs> you're gonna have to go back and uh, detreat and then treat again so yeah it's actually quite a lot of uh, uh, a lot of additional work Sure. Well, I mean, it's a level of protection that wouldn't have been there before. I actually think this is one of the coolest watches, you know, looking at the entire lineup. That's the the kind of watches that I tend to like are the divers and the field watches. And this is kind of right up my alley. I love the font on it. It's it's so yeah. like Thank you. just quirky and cool. Looks very like scientific. Thanks. I kind of we kind of went for a, also a, a sci-fi look on, on that font um, because we always when we design something, we always want to it's kind of like a, a piece of music where, you know, the different parts of the piece 
uh, talk together or, or, you know, like refer to each other uh, within them. So, um, you know, that since the case is kind of futuristic for a, for a classic military watch, uh, we wanted to kind of give a nod to that from the inside with the dial. So, and, and you have the same in, in the divers and in the, in the essence collection. So the, the, the language between the different types of finishing between the brushing and then the polished uh, bevels, for instance, you find that up until to uh, almost microscopic level on the on the indices. So, for instance, on the reef, you have a tiny, tiny flat surface on top of the indices that drop down, uh, and that is um, brushed. So, you know, like our dial manufacturing manufacturer, which is on, actually my uncle, is like, mm, you're not going to see that, you know, really, if you when you wear the watch. And I was like, yeah, but I, I want to know it's there, and I want people who are also into photography being able to take macro shots and actually discover those little things. It's, it's kind of like a Fibonacci thing where, you know, the more you zoom in, it's going to be <laughs> identical. So you're going to find the same design elements on each level of zooming in or zooming out. That's a perfect segue. So, you know, we were, Matt and I were talking and as we were planning on what we wanted to discuss with you guys, it became really clear that there was just a lot of sort of advanced technical material R and D stuff that are presented throughout the line that aren't typically in this price bracket, right? Which I think people really respond to, it really struck us. Um, and then I had read recently that you guys had brought all your dial, you know, all your dials in-house too, which is really cool. We just did our most recent episode all about exotic dials. And Marcus, I told you, you know, I said, let us hold on to the Space Rocks for just one more week maybe so we can do this, do this episode <laughs> because we've been really... Um, sort of into just exotic and, and, and different dial materials. And so, you know, looking through, I know you guys have done Mother of Pearl, of course, Meteorite, uh, Malachite, right? And so I think that's really cool. And I don't think that that's something that maybe people wouldn't be able to find uh, at, at similar, you know, comps. And, and so I think that makes you really unique and it really speaks to us and, and, and something we just did a whole episode on because we were super stoked about it. Thanks. And, and one of the challenges in using stone dials is because we keep one, one of the things I really like uh, to to uh, emphasize a lot on in the design uh, process is to keep them as flat, as slim as possible. And that also makes for a slim dial, which is not ideal when you want to work with stone and natural materials for, for the dial. So that's something we always have to fight uh, about uh, in terms of when we want to do a new dial. And then also in, in terms of um, assembling the watch, you know, it's everything's super tight and, and it's it's pretty, you know, it's not the easiest watch to assemble for, for our watchmakers because of that. I can imagine. I can argue that you guys are all about color too, right? I mean, if you look through any of the options, you've got greens, purples, reds, right? I mean, I, big, bold colors, not just your silver, you know, blue, black, white. And so, um, you know, Marcus gave us a heads up on this gamma ray, which is a beautiful, beautiful, deep, you know, burgundy, um, sort of fashioned off of, you know, a particular, uh, grape varietal, right? So like, can you tell us about how this came about and what made you excited to, to kind of go down the path of releasing this particular essence? I'm sorry, Bergen, what? Bergen, Bergen. <laughs> <laughs> The color is gamma ray. No, uh, the color is gamma ray. I, I had to look it up though. I, was, I guess I guess I'm giving our listeners sort of like a uh, a, a, pr a quick 
preview in their head of what it might look like, but they need to go online and, or, or find the pictures of it. Cause I actually, and Matt's the, the wine guy. I said, Matt, tell me about this varietal. He's like, I don't know this. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's a hybrid, isn't it? I, it's a, and it's not something we see for sale down here very often. No, it's, it's, it's uh coming up. It's actually a Swiss uh, variety. And, um, Marcus and I had this idea, uh, funnily enough, over a glass of wine. Even though fairly, fa- fairly enough, or, or to be fair, we have to say that people asked for kind of a Bordeaux color before, and so we talked about it over a glass of wine. And um, kind of while swirling it, uh, we wanted to, um, or we saw the different tones. You know, when you look, when you hold the glass at an angle and you you look through it to look for the alcohol content. And, and all that kind of stuff, you're, you're seeing the different tones. And that's why we put a fume effect, uh, effect on, on that dial. And um, yeah, and then the name came from Marcus. Why don't you, why don't you talk about the name? That's your, your neck of the woods. I think, I, I think we, 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 we are trying to be creative with names, but not over-creative. Uh, we, we don't want to force upon... Uh, a, a crazy name to a watch just to to make it special we want to focus on the product itself not not the name but when we were talking about uh the the color of this of of this new dial i mean other brands they usually call this a burgundy or or a bordeaux which are uh regions in france and and also colors right and i thought well uh we are from Switzerland, we make Swiss-made uh, watches, and we also actually have wine in Switzerland. And a lot of people don't know uh, Switzerland is a wine region, um, and some of the grapes they were specifically made to resist the you know alpine climate in Switzerland. And I thought, why not calling that dial that looks like maybe a Bordeaux or a Burgundy? to a, a grape that's specifically made for Switzerland. And I contacted um, a friend of mine uh, in the Bay Area here. He's, he's, he's Swiss as well. And he made it. He, his passion is really Swiss wines. And he, he founded a business to import Swiss wine to the U.S. and make the, the Swiss wine kind of more established in the U.S., which in the Bay Area is particularly difficult because the Bay Area and, and California with the Napa Valley and, and your side uh, of, of California is a wine region. So it's probably pretty hard to do that. Having said that, Swiss wine is not well known at, at all. But I asked him, hey, give me some tips. What could we call uh, this, this dial color? And he mentioned a few and I discussed with Raphael over what would sound best and also which color does resemble that style uh, the most with, with that Fume style. And we came up with, uh, with uh, I think, uh, with the choice of Gamma Ray. And it's, it's um, made up of two, um, it's a crossing, a genetic crossing between the Gamme, which was a, an old uh, Swiss variety, and a name that is about as easy uh, as Marcus's uh, last name, Reitensteiner. <laughs> And um, uh, Mr. Jacquinet, a wine uh, analog, um, actually dis- not designed across these varieties to be resistant, especially in, in Swiss in the Swiss Alpine cli- uh, climates. And and I can we can also thought that was fitting 
uh, that uh, you know we're we're making things that are built to resist also, and and um, yeah, it was a good match. That's great. I mean, it forced me to learn something new. And, and uh, Marcus, you're going to have to tell us where to find Swiss wine in California because I've been searching, and I even bugged Matt the other day. I said, Matt, where am I going to find this? I need to. I need to have this now. Uh, well, uh, do you guys do oh. show notes or? Yeah, we can put in show notes for sure. Okay, well, we'll link that up. The, the, Let's do that. Our friend is, is Dylan Steen. If you come to our events in California, he actually does wine tasting at our events. So you can actually taste that wine. Uh, if you're going to come to our um, Warren uh, Round in San Francisco evening event, um, you're going to be actually able to taste a Gamma Ray while looking at a Gamma Ray. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, his name's Dylan Steen. Um, and the, the winery, it's actually his family's winery in Geneva. It's called Domaine de Dardani. But yeah, we'll obviously have to put that in the notes. <laughs> That's awesome. So obviously we have uh, wind up coming up. I think you've teased a few things sort of on the horizon. What can we expect in 2023? So in terms of- Or what are you willing to share on air, I yeah, suppose? Not, Maybe that's a better way nothing. to put it. <laughs> like, it's like tickling out the secret sauce again. Um, <laughs> no, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna work. I mean, this year is, uh, is gonna be, we're gonna also focus on different dials and, and things because we also, um, Kind of feel that that the, the collection is now um, pretty mature, and and uh, we do obviously we're going to have some completely new models launching, but we're also going to have fun playing around with with uh, loads of different dial variations and everything, and uh, also working on some more um, you know specialized things in terms of movements and, and, and stuff like that. So, but we we can't really share that much more in terms of events. We're going to do the whole one and round circuit so there's going to be um there's going to be uh san francisco end of april and then july is going to be uh chicago which was uh they hosted for the first time last year and it was already a really good show and then um the crown jewel in new york uh, which is always um you know the, the best visited show and and it's always super exciting to participate in those and as I said, if you subscribe to our newsletter, you're going to be automatically invited to those um, events and also to any evening events we might host uh, around those uh, fairs. Also, if there is uh, listeners uh, who are members or, or hosts of watch groups, uh, let us know if you're in the area of those shows because we always love to, to co-host meetings and bring our collection, uh, which makes it a little bit more personal uh, than just visiting a show and, and there's tons of people and there's Rafa and I uh, trying to explain our collection to, to, to everybody who's coming. That allows us to have some more time in a, in a, in a nice evening setting, have a good drink along with it and, and have some more fun. Yeah. So please let us know. And we're always happy to, to coordinate with you guys. Well, we know for a fact that there are people like that who listen. So, Yeah, definitely the right demographic. Um, so before we wrap, you know, I wanted to let, maybe hit you with some rapid fire kind of more, you know, personal questions and sort of get a better sense of, of you guys as people too. Um, date or no date, 
and I think I've heard where you guys fall on this, um, but date window or no date on a, on a, on a watch? A beautiful date window with a color <laughs> matching date wheel, please. Yes. <laughs> and favorite location of said date wheel? Six o'clock. Luck. That's it. Every day. <laughs> All right. You guys are. What about you guys? You like it at three? No, you know what? I, I also prefer six o'clock for, especially for a date only, you know, six o'clock, I think is, um, if you're going to have one is probably the best place, you know, especially on like a dive watch, you know, where you, you know, want symmetry and the new, I think the new ISO specifications require some kind of, you know, loom plot at three, which makes it, it hard, you know, in the past, you just have your, your date window, but now I guess you can't call a dive watch a dive watch if, uh, you know, if you don't have, you know, some luminous marker there. So I'd rather have it at uh, at six. And I mean, looking at, you know, a lot of your offerings, six o'clock is kind of perfect. I'm not one of these personally. I'm not the no date Nazi, you know, where I just, I hate dates at, <laughs> you know, under any circumstance. In general, I prefer a watch to have a date, but like you, it's it's got to be well done. It's a lot easier to wreck a, a decent date window. And I think it's it's just, you can still call it a diver if you don't have the, the dots, but it's just not going to be an ISO or DIN certified diver. Who cares? Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could go date or no date. I like either or, depending on the design. But if there is a date, uh, it, it's got to be three or six. I can't handle. And there's like a 0.5 instant, percent instance where I appreciate somewhere it's not three or six. Um, all right. You guys are away. Business leisure, whatever it is, but you're on a trip for a month, you can only bring one watch with you. Which one is it and why? That never happens anymore. For me? <laughs> <laughs> Mark, uh, I mean, the, the months away trip doesn't happen or that you can only bring one watch? Both, Both, Both right. Both. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if, if, if that would happen to me, I think it would be the, the Reef Diver. Um, because maybe I can, I, I can hide away a second bezel and you guys wouldn't realize that I would bring along a second bezel and change the look of it <laughs> and maybe another strap too. Um, it's just, a, I think it's a, it's a comfortable watch, 11.4 millimeter high and 300 millimeters, uh, 300 meters water resistance which uh, has the functionality of a diver, but still is, is wearable. Which I personally to, use on you know, every uh, uh, month-long trip. Like those 300 meters yeah. is a must-have. <laughs> All the way. Must have, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Not a meter less. Rudon Crown uh, has that fine adjustment clasp, the, the gravity one, which, which can be adjusted on the fly on, on, on the wrist. So that's pretty cool. And it just looks nice. I, I, just I, turned, I like the look of it. Marcus just turned his answer into an infomercial. Thanks, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why That's why he knows marketing. He's the marketing director. He knows how to do that. If you call now, you'll get it. 1-800-4-MEX. You get a second bezel for free. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So, yeah, that's I'd it. have to go Reef uh, definitely uh, also because uh, of the, the bezels. I'd go uh, Reef GMT because I'll probably travel to a different time zone for that month. Um, so, um, and also, I don't know, I'm, I've been wearing 
Um, how long have I been wearing it now? I'm still honeymooning with the Reef GMT. Um, and so I, I usually wear it. Well, I, I'm, I switch a lot, but I, if I go away and don't take uh, any watches, I usually put that one on uh, at the moment. But I also love to wear the, the Legera. Or if, you know, if you're going for dinner at night and wear a shirt, um, I really love the just the steel essence. All right. Favorite food and drink pairing. Um, and bonus question. Are there any other spirit of time adjacent dial treatments or special features that we might see in the future? I don't know. I'm thinking a cocktail timer, something along those lines. We, you've already got us keyed in on Gamma Ray and some other things. We're, we're ready. We're, we're ready for the next uh, instance of a uh, of food and beverage inspired uh, Formex. Huh. We'll, we'll think about that. <laughs> we'll think about that. It's, uh, it's always cool to associate, uh, you know, a, a dial or whatever to, to something that is interesting or that already, I mean, commercially that already has a, a large following. Um, but, uh, yeah, nothing, nothing concrete in the pipeline right now. Uh, food pairing, huh? I'm a huge, uh, fan of wine. So mostly red wine, but I also enjoy white. Um, not so much into the bubbly, but uh, that goes with basically anything. I'm, I'm, uh, I like to eat uh, steaks a lot. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, on this podcast, 100%. So, oh, my yeah, gosh. I'm a, big, I'm a bit barbecuer as well, so I, I, I proudly represent the Texas barbecue uh, spirits here in Rio <laughs> with, with a Kamado Joe um, ceramic grill. Um, and nice. also, um, being half Italian, I don't, yeah, you don't have to be half Italian to enjoy Italian food, but yeah. So pasta and red wine, always a big uh, go-to favorite and meat and red wine, but I'm, I'm very open to any kind of food basically. So I'm, I'm I love to discover new foods and, and foods from different parts of the world. When we see you in California, we're going to make sure Matt gets you some of his uh, uh, world famous rosemary for your for your grilling needs. Oh yeah, yeah. I I often do the same thing as you, so I I wouldn't have spent my own money on it. It's pretty pricey, but I have one of those like double XL green eggs. Yeah, and it's the go. thing is massive. And I anytime there's any good weather, I'm out in in my backyard. I've got like a brick pad kind of hideaway out there, and oh, I've got a God. pair of grills That's and. Cute. You know, just, uh, you know, maybe one weekend, you know, low and slow barbecue. And then the next weekend, you know, I'll, I'll do steaks on a, on a, you know, uh, cast iron or whatever, but yeah, I'll, I'll send you some pictures. Oh my God. You got me hungry. Yeah. I love, I, I, did, a, I, did, a, I did a brisket for Christmas, not nice weather. And, uh, it was a, a long cook. It was like, took about 12 hours. Um, but yeah, people were really happy. I brought that brisket for Christmas. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Rafael already reminded me when he's coming over in April and he's going to stay at my house uh, to get a decent grill so we can, uh, we, can, we can do some barbecue as well. So uh, I have a couple of months uh, to go. Let me, let me look into options. That's right. You have to shop it around a little bit. Find the you know the best uh, you know the best one for the for the occasion. I'd get I'd get a pellet smoker, Marcus, if you're into the low maintenance thing and and easy you know stable thing. Uh, obviously, if you do a green egg, you, you kind of have to 
set the fire. You don't really have to manage it, but you have to set it to the right temperature, the right smoke and everything. It takes a little bit of dialing in. Uh, but I think a pellet smoker, like a Traeger or something, is really a good good one to start with. I just had a crazy idea, but what about a green egg dial? <laughs> Dimpled. Damn, that was next. We spoiled it. Hey, if if the Green Egg Company, I don't know who owns it, if they reach out and they want to do a collaboration watch, uh, let's let's look into it. But it has to be a pretty flat Green Egg dial to fit in our cases. I'm guessing. All right, why not? Why not? And Marcus, how about you? Favorite cocktail pair, uh, food and drink pairing? I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> Rafa's gonna laugh about this, but I'm pretty easy about food because I, I enjoy when it's good food. But I also see sometimes food as pure nurture uh, to to feed my body. Uh, so, it, but it, this doesn't mean that I don't enjoy good food. And when I do pair. Uh, I probably also pair with a good bottle of wine, uh, mostly red wine from the, the area out here. Or when I'm hang, hang, hanging out with my friend uh, uh, Dylan, he is uh, also surfing uh, a Swiss wine sometimes. So I enjoy that very much. Kind of makes me feel like uh, I'm, I'm back home and it's nice to have that feeling as well. Yeah, no, nothing better than uh, sort of a, a taste of home or a taste of, of certain place. It sort of brings you back. Um, before we wrap, where can we, what's the best way for folks to follow along with what's happening? I think you had mentioned earlier the newsletter, of course, you know, we've the, the website, but what's the best way to, to stay in tune with what's next from Formex, engage with you guys, um, and sort of be in the loop on, on what to, uh, on new drops and stuff. Definitely the, the newsletter, or if, if people are still on Facebook, uh, we have a Facebook group called Formex, uh, watch club, uh, uh, both to both uh, subscribers or members of, of those groups, we are always giving uh, 24 hours early access to new launches. We're you know, sending out some sort of a teaser. And then before we officially launch a new product, even before we let the press know, we're giving a, a early access uh, to our community, um, which is particularly interesting when it's a limited edition because those sometimes tend to sell out quick and it's always great to to know about them early on. Yeah, that's going to be key. That's a I can see that already being a helpful a helpful tool. Well, again, you know, Matt from both of us, you know, thanks again for you know, taking the time to let us get to know you, uh, but also, you know, what you're hoping to accomplish with Formex and, and also for being able to experience some of the newest Essence line in person. It's been an eye-opener, I think, um, for us. And uh, it's been a treat to spread sort of the good word, I think, and wear them out to a meetup. And, and folks are like, oh, wow, cool. I haven't seen one yet. Like, let me try that on. And and so we've really enjoyed that as well. And and uh, to your point, Rafa, as a as a myself as a wannabe photographer, I certainly don't classify myself as one. It's been a lot of fun to to shoot these too. There's a lot to to take in and, and sort of capture. So um, we're looking forward to whatever's next. Maybe offline, you'll give us some teasers that we'll we'll keep you know close to the vest. Um, but we know it's going to be a big years for you guys in, in 2023. So so cheers. We'll definitely uh, try to hang out in person as well, and uh, maybe get get a little get together with your folks um, happening when we are in California next time. Thanks for having us, and uh, it was a really interesting talk. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks, fellas. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Bye.
Thank you so much, Greg and, and Matt, and, and, and cheers right back to you guys. Absolutely. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at Spirit of Time Podcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.